Welcome in the somewhat mobile. When we drop data, it's not anecdotal. Talking to ladies, mobile trends with highlighting the surges and descends. Yeah, this is an original series from Aptopia. The intelligence provider here to help focus you. I'm growing your mobile app and putting you on the map. So when people pull out their phone, it's the first thing they want to tell. So crack yourself a beer and give a listen here because the best podcast in mobile just landed in your ear. Welcome into Somewhat Mobile, the show app teams can listen to instead of working because we're talking about work and uh, a little bit of whatever else comes to our minds. Today, joining me is Makoto Ro Kiara, head of user acquisition at Hopper. Makoto, what is the last article you retweeted without reading? I think it was an article about one of our new products at Hopper. I just assumed that if we were sharing it, it must have been positive. And so I retweeted without reading. That's amazing. Thank you for answering that. <laughs> I think mine was about Dennis Rodman going to Russia to try and free uh, uh, Brittany Griner. It's just a, a storyline. I'd like to. I'd like to know what happens there. Yeah, that sounds like an instant retweet as well. <laughs> okay, so who are you? Uh, what do you do? And how did you get to Hopper? Yeah, so my name is Makoto. I've uh, been at Hopper now for about three and a half years, and. For anyone who doesn't know what Hopper is, we're a company that helps people save money on travel. Uh, So between the flights, hotels, car rentals, and and homes products that we have, we sell almost $5 billion of travel per year. And we mostly do that through our app, which is now the largest travel booking app in North America. Uh, But we also do it through a few B2B partnerships, like powering the travel booking platforms of partners like Capital One. And I focus on a few different areas, all on the growth side of things at Hopper, one of which is user acquisition. So I lead a team of marketers, creatives, engineers that are focused on deploying paid spends to acquire new installs, and uh, also a product growth team called the Super App Team. And that team is focused on pairing Hopper's travel marketplace with growth mechanisms inspired by Super Apps in Asia uh, and mobile games. And the last one is called the social commerce team. And that team is focused on building new ways to use Hopper with friends and essentially building a multiplayer layer to the app uh, to help accelerate organic growth. That's awesome. And I actually came into Hopper through uh, an old coworker who was uh, working at Hopper. And uh, a lot of my friends actually had had joined Hopper right before I did. And so they kind of convinced me to join and I've been here ever since. That's awesome. It sounds like you oversee a lot. So we're going to get into some of that. Um, I, I was So I know Hopper as the, I know it's evolved a lot since since I have last used it, but I remember watching flights on it, like trying to understand when are they going to be less expensive and, and, and when should I book it because I know I want to go to this destination. And it got me wondering when Hopper is planning team outings, do you guys have to stay on your toes because you only book when the venue prices are lowest? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we have like a pretty strict dog fooding rule. Uh, we always book all of our travel on Hopper. And so naturally, I think all of us go through the price prediction too. And we probably all book right around the same time. That's awesome. Do, do you guys have travel focused employee benefits? Yeah, we have. Uh, so we have this internal currency called Caracash, which allows us to discount anything in the app and everyone in the company gets a certain amount of a few hundred dollars of care cash per year but also just through one advantage of being on the growth team just being aware of all the experiments going on you know exactly how to earn discounts at any (laughs) time as well that's fun um okay so uh before we get into more about hopper i want to go over 
just a couple of headlines that that came across my desk that I thought would be interesting to get your thoughts on. So one of them, you you know, you being head user acquisition, I saw that Apple is going to have App Store ads coming to more places, essentially outside of the search tab. So you could have it on the homepage that everyone hits right when they open the App Store. And even now you can't like plan specifically to have it on a specific app. But even when I am have like clicked into an app and I'm looking at an app at the bottom of that app's description, there could be an ad for a, another relevant app. So is that something that you guys are going to be experimenting with? Is that exciting for you? I think it's it's exciting for sure. We've tried a lot of the new Apple ad formats they've been testing that are more on the discovery side on the App Store. And so far, we haven't seen performance that's been very interesting. But I think there's a long-term path to that becoming a major ad channel, especially since Apple's kind of prioritized themselves in terms of the measurement ability that you have on these channels. Honestly, I think it, you know, it makes sense for them as a business, especially given the, the focus on services revenue. And they certainly have the reach and the, the, the platform to deploy what could be a really interesting ads business. I think what we'll be left to see is to what extent they can leverage uh, the, the data that they have to have targeting that's that's compelling because I find that's kind of one of the limitations right now of the their discovery driven ad products and looking at the advantage that Facebook and Google have over others I think it's still more about their ability to refine the targeting of the ads more so than just the amount of uh, placements that they can fill I just kind of wish that Apple had done this a year ago where the strategy clearly with ATT partly was to help shift share towards their own ad products. And I just wish that their ad products were a little bit more built out before they did that because I'm happy to spend wherever. I just wish the Apple products were ready to spend on. So that that brings me into, we're going to talk about this later, but you brought it up. So we're going to go with it. One, have you found that app tracking transparency has significantly impacted your plans or your efficiency, your abilities? And two, since we're talking about search, do you guys get a lot of, do, do you find that, is there a lot of organic search traffic through the app stores coming to Hopper or is it more that people kind of know the booking app or the travel app that they would like to uh, be installing and so they just go straight for that? So on the ATT side of things, it, it certainly impacted our ability to scale your way, but not to the extent that I've seen it impact a lot of other user acquisition focused companies. One of the reasons for that is that from a targeting perspective, Hopper is like a very broad product, right? Like when it comes to flights, hotels, and car rentals, there's a pretty high percentage of the U.S. population in any given year, especially now that travel's rebounding, uh, that's going to purchase one of those three products. And so we've never really relied that much on deep targeting on the Facebook side, uh, unlike a lot of games or, or uh, e-commerce products that are catering to very specific types of people. We also have like a high opt-in rate, so we retain some tracking and the rest we just have to model. But overall, it hasn't really been that bad of an impact. And we were able to actually, between when ATT started and our peak in terms of spending, it was about four times higher spend and the paybacks were still very good uh, just because of that, uh, just because of the breadth of the product. But the other thing that we're doing is that we're bringing a lot of the growth mechanisms internal, uh, which then completely allows us to stop worrying about ATT. Just because, you know, our performance marketing targeting is somewhat limited, but within the app, we can do whatever we want and measure it with as much granularity as we want. 
what was your other question on yeah search do, do people is there like a real organic search factor for you guys or are people know do they know the apps coming into the app store that that they want to download as it pertains to travel it's somewhat of a lever uh you know we, we did a lot of aso in the early days to rank pretty high for keywords like flights and and travel and whatnot there's a decent amount of volume but it, we've kind of capped out a lot of the growth that we think we can get from from app store okay. optimization just because the the majority of the search volume and travel is very much uh, brand keywords it's not as much of a lever as i've seen for a lot of games for example where people will search a type of game for sure they kind of know what they want to do and they're like just give me the vehicle to do that yeah yeah exactly okay our second headline, which I don't know how much you <laughs> can say uh, about or not, but it struck me as interesting was that Expedia Group is bringing all of their loyalty programs under one roof. And for listeners who are unaware, Expedia Group owns Verbo, Hotels.com, Hotwire, Orbitz, Travelocity, and Trivago. I, maybe it owns other things, but these are the big ones that I'm aware of. And it one, I think it's a good idea that probably should have happened earlier but two like the the ignorant travel travel industry person in me thinks why not kill off some of these brands and roll them into uh, a few less just because I, I i'm imagining that from a few points it's like a lot of cannibalistic competition i don't know if you have thoughts on that or if you can comment on that i think so the consolidating the loyalty programs i think makes a lot of sense and in general expedia has been going down a path of consolidating a lot of what happens in the back end for their different brands and, and leveraging, kind of consolidating to leverage the strength of each brand across all the, the whole family of brands. One of the reasons I think Expedia still maintains such a wide breadth of brands is that uh, if you think of the main Expedia growth strategy, it's very search-based, right? So like Google, both on the SEM and SEO side, represents the majority of their traffic. If you're Expedia.com and you have the number one slot on most flight searches, the only way to keep growing from there is to own the company that also has the second slot and the third slot and the fourth slot. Mm. And so a lot of the M&A that we've seen has allowed them to grow uh, pretty quickly. One, to expand across other categories from going from flights to hotels, but also, you know, they do car rental. They have a whole cruise division and, and whatnot, but also allows them to grow vertically within a SERP just because they own multiple search listings on the same Google search, which you can only do if you have a lot of different brand names. Okay, I get that. That makes sense. All right, let's talk a little more about Hopper. You you noted uh, you guys are the largest, I don't know if you said travel app or travel company in North America, is that correct? Travel app, yeah. Yeah, and so we, Eptopia has found that Hopper's growing faster than a lot of these, maybe all of these larger players. And so what is, you oversee a few slices of, of user acquisition, depending on how you want to put that. And so what I'm trying to get at is like, what is your blend of product led growth versus paid growth? And how are you competing with these better resourced players when it comes to UA? So the blend has changed quite a bit over time between the product growth and the traditional like paid user acquisition. So 2021 for us was really a story of, of, of UA uh, on the growth side of things. Uh, especially in terms of total spend deployed. And one of the big differences between Hopper and a lot of the legacy players and travels that we've done that almost entirely through paid social. If you look at Expedia booking and most large travel players, they spend billions of dollars, like literally billions of dollars on search engine marketing, which makes a lot of sense because timing and travel really matters 
Uh, you know, it's not something that you buy impulsively. So it makes a lot of sense to show ads once someone is directly showing intent to purchase travel. But like all marketing channels that work well, clicks have gotten really expensive over time. There's like a lot of pressure to convert users right away because even retargeting is, is cost prohibitive when you're paying so much upfront for a click. And in general, it's like a game that we didn't want to play because we'd have to compete head on with companies that I honestly think are probably the best in the world at, at search engine marketing. And so Hopper's a little bit more focused on building user trust over time. If you think of our most popular features, like price prediction is one of them where we can tell you when you should book your flight or hotel before you book it. That's a product that's a lot more long-term than trying to get you to convert right away. And most of the time, we actually tell you not to buy something, which not a lot of products do. And that delays the conversion, but it builds a lot of trust from users. And it creates this longer-term retention, especially when people buy, they actually about half continue to book with us in perpetuity because it's a product that's useful over a very long period of time. And that builds a lot of trust over the course of the user experience. And so we were able to grow primarily via paid social because we can acquire users who are low intent and then nurture them until they're ready to purchase. And once they are ready to purchase, they often purchase on Hopper. In parallel, the kind of other angle that we've really figured out in the last two years is the fintech monetization. So the majority of our revenue actually comes from these fintech products. Price freeze is a good example where if you see a price that you like, you can freeze it on Hopper and if the price goes up, we'll pay the difference. If the price goes down, you pay the lower price. Products like that that we've built in-house using our data capabilities and using our ability to predict prices, they're much more customer-centric than what we could get from a third party. They're very high revenue because we're not splitting that revenue with anyone else. Uh, and they're highly profitable. That accounts for about 65% of the revenue now, which has allowed us to monetize in a way that's allowed us to afford much higher CPIs than we used to be able to. And so in 2021, we deployed pretty high marketing budgets and we were like, we were hitting annualized run rates of over a hundred million dollars. Huh. And that was like a big driver of growth of doubling our revenue in 2020, uh, almost quadrupling our revenue in 2021. But the mix kind of changed because we got to the end of 2021 with per month, we were getting around 2.5 to 2.8 million installs, many of which were in the US. And we had 10x that. Uh, that year from around starting at around 250k. Uh, but we were looking at that Aptopia chart, actually, and one thing that we noticed is that annualized our December installs would have been around 24 million in the US. And looking at some of the largest e commerce apps, they were between 25 to 30 million. And we just had an idea that it's pretty unlikely that we're going to get twice as many installs as Amazon. And if Amazon's at 35 million, I think, it just meant that realistically, we could maybe 2x from here in the US at most. And I was having a, even just from a macro perspective, I had a chat with our CEO, Fred, at the end of 2021, where I was telling him all about the results and you know how much our installs grew. And he had a really good question, which is, okay, like, what are you going to 10x next? Because you 10x installs this year from 200k to 2, 2 million, are you going to 10x again from 2 million to 20 million? And Functionally, from a macro perspective, in a country of 360 million people, you can't get 20 million installs per month, right? Yep. And so the question was like, okay, if we can't do that, then the growth is going to have to come from somewhere else. Like, how do you continue to 10x? And so that's when we started to think a lot more from the product-like growth perspective, because our MAUs can 10x and our retention can significantly improve to, to 10x MAU. 
And so looking around what we thought was most compelling was these super apps in Asia that have been able to grow MAU and conversion by just creating more things to do in their apps that constantly reward you for using the app. And the best example that we follow is an app called Pinduoduo that has, they reached like 5 billion. They're coming to the US, by the way, soon. They just announced. Yes. Super exciting to see how they'll localize. But uh, they're the fastest company to reach $100 billion of market cap ever. And it's very product growth driven. And so we've been focused this year and uh, in, in the latter half of last year, and especially this year, on much more product growth driven. Uh, growth mechanisms. And now about 75% of our marketing uh, is spent on internal product-driven growth mechanisms. Okay. So I have two I have two questions about everything you just said. The first one will back up a little bit. And the way in which Hopper works, you said that you're able to get people from social because they're not necessarily, you don't need them to be in a buying stage right then. You, you want them in a watching stage and you nurture them. How does that work? How do you nurture them? So there's a couple of, like the price predictions is the best example of the nurturing where we'll tell you to wait, but we'll kind of drip you notifications that tell you two weeks from now or so, we expect the price is going to come down. So be ready. And over the classic trip searching experience, you'll get a few dozen notifications from Hopper that are updating you on your trip, updating you on recommendations of whether to book or not. And so we're kind of constantly there with the user and we're able to do that because uh, we're on their phone. It's not like a browser tab that you close and you have to remember to reopen it again, or you receive like a bunch of emails that you open 10% of. Uh, It's like a much more active conversation with the user that we have over a longer period of time. And then on the product growth side of things, similar to apps like Pindildo, what we're doing is that we're starting to reward users for engaging with the app. And so the way that you earn discounts on Hopper is that you open the app regularly and you gauge with some of these features that we have that reward you for opening the app. And so that's led to like a, a, a bump in retention as well. Okay. Got it. And then, yeah, p- the Pinduoduo, the super app model, extremely fascinating. It is th- the, the way in which I know it is that it's a lot of team buying or group buying. You're, you're getting discounts because you are purchasing items with friends. So, you know, it's the general concept of buying in bulk in a sense. And what I'm wondering is that is something that uh, those consumers are, they either like or they're used to. Do you think that that prospect can happen in uh, in the West, in the United States? Is that something that consumers are going to naturally want to do? Do you think they can be educated to do it? Yeah. How, how do you think that'll fare here? Yeah, so I think there's, there's a couple of other features that are going to be a little bit more difficult to drive adoption for in the US, uh, just because the underlying behavior is not as similar as it is uh, to group buying. But one thing with travels that, we, that we've noticed is that the large majority of our users are traveling in a group. So it's already something that you purchase together. If you look at Pindledo, like a lot of the products that they sell, clothing, they sell a lot of like produce as right. well. That's not really something that in the West you like. You don't buy tomatoes with your friends necessarily already. <laughs> That's not really an existing user behavior. But you do buy flights and hotels with your friends all the time. And so I think the the adoption gap will be much uh, more narrow for products like Hopper. And there are other reasons that I think super apps in general haven't really risen here in, in North America. We can go into why uh, we think that is. But in general, what we've found is that 
a lot of people when when thinking about the hopper super app strategy the first instinct is like well you know consumers in asia and consumers in the west are different what makes you think it'll work but if you look at like gaming and if you look at even some e-commerce companies in north america a lot of these individual growth features have been tried and tested in a lot of different ways even in, in retail and generally what we found so far is that the gap isn't that large and a lot of the features that we've ported over and somewhat localized uh, have worked really well. Okay. <laughs> we were talking earlier about competing with booking.com. Or sorry, not booking.com, larger competitors. And I'm thinking booking.com is one of those. Yeah. You can compete with booking.com, but can you compete with booking.com and Idris Elba? Yeah, that definitely kind of made it a lot more challenging. We'll probably need our own celebrity spokesperson, I think. But uh, <laughs> hoping, if, if anything, if we continue down this path, maybe we'll bring him on our side too next Super Bowl. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would be, I, I, that would be some, some juicy travel uh, drama right there. I would certainly like to see that, yeah. <laughs> so last work-focused thing, and then we can, we can play a little game here. Short-term rentals. I know that... I don't think that's something from the hopper side that you're necessarily overseeing, but just as someone in the industry, I did some data digging on uh, Aptopia, and this was from a few months ago, but what I found was that apps mentioning or advertising or noting that they offer vacation rentals or vacation homes in their title, subtitle, description, or recent app update, they were performing significantly better than those that do not. And by the way, just to eliminate some bias here, I did remove Airbnb and Verbo from, from this sample size. So we're talking mostly apps that you don't traditionally think of as having vacation rentals. And they, over, over the six months period that I studied versus apps that did not mention short-term rentals or vacation rentals, they had 352% more app sessions and 180% more app installs. And so what I'm wondering is like, if I'm you know Marriott and I'm looking at those statistics is that something that you think traditional hotel chains are going to try and find their way into, or is that not their not their game? I don't know if it's the game of traditional hotel chains, but I think a lot of online travel agencies are expanding pretty heavily into the, the homes category, including Hopper. The reason for that, I think, is that Airbnb has done a really good job of creating a new category of supply, essentially, where they were the first to overcome the trust gap that people had with staying in someone else's home. But now that that trust has been built... I think what Verbal showed is that it doesn't necessarily have to be on Airbnb. And even Booking.com is moving very, very aggressively into the homes uh, category, uh, mostly because just the idea of staying in someone's house is something that consumers now are kind of accustomed to. And so I think there's going to be a really interesting, really interesting rise in competition in the homes category now that the supply base isn't exclusive to Airbnb. And if you think of the average Airbnb supplier too, you know, there's, there's a long tail of someone who has an extra bedroom or someone who isn't always in their apartment that's renting their Airbnb out on part-time. But there's like a really large base of professional hosts too that represent a pretty large share of the Airbnb supply base. Sure. For these professional hosts, uh, it makes in the same way that a hotel lists on every single booking website, whether it's, you know, booking or Expedia or Hopper, it makes a lot of sense for these professional hosts to, to cross list as well. So now that the supply base is, is not becoming commoditized, but just becoming a lot more accessible, I think there's going to be a really interesting rise in competition. And that's going to lead to a lot of interesting innovation in the homes front. In the same way that we've seen flights and hotels 
the consumer booking experience has improved a lot over the years just because of how competitive it is. We'll probably see the same same thing happen for homes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. <laughs> let's 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 play a little game here. It's called Two Apps and a Lie. And I'm just going to read you uh, A, B, and C. I'm going to read you three different app titles and the like first sentence or two or paragraph of their description. And you have to tell me which which apps are uh, real or, or, or better yet, just tell me which, which is the fake app. Let's see if you can uh, get it. All right. So we have app A, title Godzilla Smashy Time, the most addictive game. Enter the city, smash buildings and dreams. Face off with monsters in a fierce battle for territory. Smash everything in sight with your powerful claws and tail. Show them the true power of Godzilla. Okay, that's app A. App B, Feet Finder++. Did you know that more sensory nerve endings are found in the soles of your feet per square centimeter than any other part of your body? You can find out other interesting facts about feet in our application. This app is a real encyclopedia of foot care. It contains a useful routine, scientific materials, and interesting stories. <laughs> or app C, Bristler. Bristler is the world's greatest dating app for people into beards. Those with beards and those who want to stroke beards. Find local people near you and filter by distance, age, and whether or not they have a beard. Bristler has created more than half a million connections between those with beards and those who want to stroke them. So, Makoto, I ask you. Which is the fake app? Is it A, Godzilla Smashy Time, B, Feet Finder Plus Plus, or C, Bristler? That's a tough one. So kind of going app by app, I really want the Godzilla one to be cool. I, I, I'm half Japanese and I grew up watching a lot of Godzilla. Uh, and the description sounds exactly like the way Japanese games are described when you read the back of the box. I'm going <laughs> to say that one's not a lie. And then the second one, what was it feet finder? <laughs> feet finder uh, plus plus. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna go off. I can't see the Aptopia team coming up with feet finder plus plus as the lie app. So I'm gonna go with Bristler. It's just too weird to to invent. So I'm gonna go with the beard one being the fake app. Oh man, you you okay? You got it wrong, unfortunately. But this is good. This no is the way. first time I've played this game, and this is hilarious. So Bristler is a real app. There are I have a market in Aptopia called niche dating apps and they are very interesting and this is one of them feed finder plus plus is apparently a real app i swear to god i don't know if anyone's downloading it it did look like it had low numbers of installs when i was checking it out the app that was made up was godzilla smashy time um, <laughs> i just thought the title was hilarious in my head and i did look at so the the thing you said about the app description um is correct i did look at a few different descriptions of like games where you like smash things or destroy things and i kind of i changed what they had as their description so i did get inspired from a real description i i had a lot of fun with that though i hope you did <laughs> yeah it's too, that, was, that was a game i would have downloaded uh, right after this call <laughs> um amazing i'll have to i'll have to get my start in development soon okay the last thing before we go is i was checking out your your personal website looked like you are uh, a heck of a reader. And so I didn't know if you had any book recommendations or what you're uh, reading recently for our audience. I'd say, so uh, recently I've been reading a book called 4,000 Weeks. That's really interesting. And it's kind of like an anti-productivity book. I think over time, 
I, I started out, especially when I was in college, like reading a lot of the classic like startup bro kind of productivity <laughs> books. And it's been like a, it's, it's like the antithesis to that genre. That's really interesting about doing more effective work and doing more meaningful work instead of just trying to do more. But generally I've been reading a lot of strategy and like history books. Cause I find there's an, like the tech is a lot more cyclical than I think I had an appreciation for and just learning about and in business in general is a lot more cyclical than I think I had an appreciation for. And there's a lot of parallels between, you know, new trends and new technologies that we see now and the way that new technologies have been adopted for the last hundred years. And so I've been going, I've been trying to read older books and more history books just because I found that there's a lot more to, to learn from. And the ones that the older books that we know today just the fact that they're still around uh, is like a really strong testament to their quality. Whereas the book that came out this year, you know, who knows whether we'll remember it in a year or 10 years from now. Thanks for sharing. What's the name of the book again that you recommended? For a thousand weeks, which is essentially based on the fact that most people have 4,000 weeks to live. Oh, okay. That's a little dark. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again and uh, telling us all about yourself what's going on at Hopper, and uh, indulging me in that game. Yeah, it was really fun to, to be here. Thanks for having me. This is it. What? Lucini pouring from the sky. Let's get rich. What? The GK Vons and Sugar Dons can't quit. What? Now pop the caucus in the Vega and get lit. What? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven with levitation from Reefers, Trench and Defense and Eve 7 showboating with Rugas, Flash Vines, Bella Fonte, Digger. Let's get forward this birth as we confiscate your figures. Yes, and over Brown, levitating.